Hello and welcome to this week's Statsman podcast with me, James York, and Ted Knutson. How the hell are you? I'm all right. You know, get on with it, don't you? Don't worry about things too much, although things are a bit weird still. Do not um, stop worrying, though. <laughs> like that's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> the worries have not dissipated, even if you have decided to forgo the worrying. There's definitely, yeah, there's definitely a kind of shift in shift in emphasis, uh, and you know, hard to predict. Some people are getting a bit antsy, and like you know, I don't know. I want to go to the gym, or I want to go to the pub, or whatever it is. And then other people, probably like me, are a bit more like, I'm not going to go to. Well, I'm not going to go to the gym anyway, but I'm not going to go to a pub for ages because. And we roll on, really, kind of. That's how it is. So we're back because the Premier League's back and we have things that we could talk about. But like, there are other things around the sport and around the world that are also interesting here. So uh, just last night, I believe it was the Orlando Pride. So the women's team in Orlando uh, removed themselves from the women's tournament that has basically taken the place of the NWSL this week. <laughs> because, what was it, somewhere between six and nine members tested positive. Yeah, that's not good, is it? And 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 related to your point, I mean, obviously, Florida, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Florida is is being very Florida um, regarding COVID and numbers and whatever, and their governor. But the the reason why they believe that they tested positive was because people decided to go out to a bar <laughs> and, and and enjoy some socializing <laughs> during the time of the coronavirus, COVID nineteen. Would you think that that is a sensible thing to do? And also... No, it isn't. Not only is it not sensible, but are they not educated or did they just make this insane decision? I, I, I don't know that one. Like, but to, sound like an, to sound like an old man, I'd, I'd say they're just young and probably a little bit... Uh, I'm surprised the coach hasn't, like, you know, restricted them a little bit more than that, though. You know, for any sports team with a tournament, you know, kicking off very soon, it's like, right... And they're in Florida. The the caseload in Florida just doesn't look good at all. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's hideous, and that's just the way of it. And but there's this this other element that says that you know coaches can't actually restrict their players. It's not like they're children that you can lock in their hotel rooms or anything like that. True. And uh, I distinctly remember being on uh, on training training camp and then hearing the story about <clears throat> how a group of our players at Brentford went out drinking late into the morning and then one of the young individuals who was not leading this uh came back with a black eye the next day uh that was fun so yeah anyway it's uh, it's hard to to fix that type of stuff <laughs> yeah i can imagine uh but yeah it just doesn't just feels like now is not a good time to just do, like test the waters but it, it, even that just puts me off going to the pub or something because it's just like right okay i don't really want to get covid doesn't sound like fun at all. <laughs> There's also a thing on Twitter this morning about uh, sporting entities complaining that the government is prioritizing opening things like bars and restaurants and pubs uh, over things like gyms uh, and other you know sort of sporting entities. And I'm, I'm like, all right, so bar pub problematic. The only thing more contagious than a gym is like a church service where everyone is supposed to be singing and is trapped inside for an hour, right? And and often churches have terribly poor ventilation. Gyms also have terribly poor ventilation in many cases. I don't know if you've been in one, but they smell like gym. 
<laughs> so, yeah, this isn't my this isn't my world. I'm not interested in going to a gym. I did wonder about swimming pools though. They're they're still shut. Like you know, they, 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 do viruses are, are they contagious through water? One would presume they are to some degree. Uh, no for idea. the most part, swimming swimming should not be a problem, especially with uh, chlorinated uh, chlorinated pools. But changing rooms, yeah, changing rooms are foul places in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, I you know I, I thought it was a good time to catch up. We'll start start off by recentering ourselves and where the world is right now. But the Premier League is back, and as you noted, you did the arithmetic and realized that three hundred matches have been played. Yeah, in the was, Premier League, I was trying to look at trying to have a look at see see because everyone's interested in like you know are these these behind closed doors games you know they're like pre-season games are they like early season games is there, are there anything you can draw out of that and we haven't got um, kind of like running sprinting data to, to hand or anything so we do have pressure data though which is interesting so I I had a quick glance at that to, to kind of like understand about these early games is there any kind of uh, any kind of thing that jumps out and I think two things jump out number one there aren't there haven't really been any really highly intensive games uh compared to what we saw um, during the kind of peak parts of the season for volume of like pressure and defensive events uh, but there have been some low ones but the low ones also kind of come with come with excuses insofar as uh, uh, I think one of the low ones was Man City Arsenal so they were, Arsenal had 10 men and Man City just kind of walked all over them so it was a bit of a kind of non-event in many ways anyway so another one was the Man City game last night which again, similar kind of story. Although Burnley's now have ten men, they was one way traffic and kind of like nothing much going on, and it didn't feel like Burnley. Burnley kind of went there with with their A game. Not to. I wanted to make a joke tried. there. I wanted to make a Burnley joke, but I don't. You know, it's not worth it. It just makes all the the ravenous Burnley fans grumpy. And in the modern world, apparently the the Burnley fans are particularly prickly. So we'll just leave that one there. But it, yeah, but it's good. Like you know, um, <laughs> Ben Ben Mee's comeback last night to to the it was. plane that went over was was really impressive. I, it's funny. I I watched it um, on Sky Sports, and I literally thought that's great. I'll transcribe it and tweet it out. And then it took me about ten minutes to transcribe it. And by the time I transcribed it, I got back on Twitter. It's like, oh, everyone's just tweeted the video out already. <laughs> so that was a waste of time. <laughs> Well done, James. <laughs> I know, but it was really impressive to actually see, like you know, a, a, a sportsman, particularly a white sportsman, kind of like getting on on the on the case and very much promoting the idea of Black Lives Matter and saying, you know, the people have missed the point. You know, white lives. I'm, I'm white lives matter as a concept is just. I think it's a mix of hard racism and utter ignorance, and it kind of like drifts in between the two. And um, yeah, one of the issues with the Black Lives Matter stuff is is that the message of what they're protesting gets lost, right? Like mm. Black Lives Matter is there. You have to have something that people can remember and talk about. But the protests are about systemic racism and abuse, and in the United States in particular, just outright murder without yeah. any consequences by the police of black people and people of color in general. Hispanics have been particularly bad off as well. And so, like, yes, black lives matter. White lives do not have this systemic problem. They do not. They are not just killed with impunity by the police. They are not, like, brutally, you know, beaten. They do not have slower times that it, uh, they get into ICUs. They are not treated differently um, in almost every single phase of government and society because of this color of their skin. So while, you know, all lives may matter, and I don't think that that in philosophically is a difficult point to agree to, like, it is not the relevant point, and it is not fucking about you. So, you know, get a grip on yourself. That's why I think realize. so much 
that's why I think so much of it is, ig- is ignorance because people people see it as a competition. Like they're dumb and they're like, right, black lives matter. Wait, white lives matter too. And it's like this kind of like, it's like no, you've, you, as Ben me elucidated very clearly, you've missed the whole point. And I think I mean we're preaching to the crowd here. I'm sure ninety nine ninety nine percent of our listeners are you know one on top of this. But you know the few people out there or your parents or I don't know in laws who haven't got a clue, then you know. More people need to understand, that's for sure. Anyway, well, we're, yeah, we're, and it is so like you know, we're we don't stick to sports, we never have, we never will. But it is it is worth mentioning because I I also had the the offshoot of this is slightly troubling <laughs> over the weekend where I had to have like team sheets out all the time because I I could not remember the combination of player names <laughs> and and who actually had the ball, especially having not seen some of these teams in quite a while. Black Lives Matter on the back of all the kits and, Fred, and Fred, the commentators who done did a good job with, with that. You know that they did, yeah, a I, challenging yeah. weekend. I think they probably had plenty of time to prepare. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. They probably did, but they probably got, they probably got sprung on them the idea that the names were were going to be put on there, going to be taken off the back. Anyway, so where, where was I? Did you I? watch any football? <laughs> I did. Well, I just wanted yeah to finish finish off my bit about the like the, the fewer pressure events. The other one was was um, Newcastle Sheffield United, which again was a ten man game uh, for Sheffield United. But and and sorry, there was one more, and it was Brighton Arsenal. Bright, and I think I think we can talk a little bit about Sheffield United. But I know you've got ideas that you wanted to talk about with Arsenal. But they've turned up for for two games so far. Obviously, I don't think anyone can learn anything from going to Man City and getting beaten. It's just it is a complete kind of like get fit job and you know whatever. But the Brighton game was pretty disappointing. I think from a you know just even from the fact that they're kind of there was no way that Arsenal were like kind of you know, harshly done by her and I think it was it was a close game and they ended up on the wrong side of it. And it feels like that's happened far too many times in recent seasons. So well, I think yeah, there's what, certainly an there's certainly an element of that. Uh like the City won you know, Arsenal played well for like the first fifteen, twenty minutes. And I actually was pretty happy with the way that that, that game played out. And then, you know, they lost control as you do against City because they <clears throat> City just start to solve you. That's what they do. They're really, really good at doing that. Um, but I, you know, I, I saw some some shoots that I was not unimpressed by. Gendozi, you know, was moving the ball fairly well. Um, but the the big problem there is that they lost Pablo Marie in the twenty third minute, and then uh, Shaka they also lost in like the seventh. So like two immediate injuries. Uh, David Luiz comes on. David Luiz does David Luiz things. Uh, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was one of the more horrific sort of you know periods of a brief second half that I can remember. And uh, and they then they get tonked, right? And, you know, they only get tonked 3-0, but, like, only is also relative. How much did, did City care? But 20 shots to <laughs> to three and 12 on target. Yeah, you know. it's a demolition, really, isn't it, by any stretch? Sure, and, and you don't ever want to start out facing City because, like, they're impossible. Like, at, at, your, at your highest level, like, that's, you know, maybe that's interesting, but it's not here. And then the Brighton game. So, like, the Brighton game... I think actually people have have lost a little bit of sight of the the big picture here. Like so, Arsenal now are back to players that don't necessarily fit the style, and I think you know they've had a long layoff uh, to be able to potentially work on some tactical stuff. Not all of that time was able to do anything though. Like plenty of that time was just shut down. Um, <clears throat> but you know we know that Arteta doesn't have the personnel to play his style, 
And as I've been talking about for most of the season, it feels like they're mostly trying to focus on defense. Can we stabilize the defense and then be able to um, you know, build off of that platform? And that's usually the right way to build in, in football. Uh, it, it feels like, for the most part, if you're going to do something, build it that way. Don't build off the attack and then try to shore up the defense unless you want to just you know, sell strikers for large amounts of money. Um, so through 75 minutes, like Arsenal like, give it up something like 0. 0.35, 0. 0.4 expected mm. goals to this team. That's good, right? That's exactly what you're looking for. And then, uh, you know, some of the subs start. Um, and you know, I think uh, also the the injury to, to Leno was pretty unfortunate. And you know, I don't really want to dig into it. But Mopé is a, is a known shithouser. Has been for the entire time that he's been in the UK. You know, he was definitely not going to back down off of that. And there is an open question as to whether or not you think that should be okay or not. But Arsenal have been clattered a lot I mean, since the early years of Wenger. Like after, as they got, grew into like a tiki-taka style, I remember like we started playing younger kids. Those guys got the shit kicked out of them. Like that has not changed. Like there were lots and lots of fouls in this game. Like Basuma had six fouls and got zero cards. And yeah, I saw a few people talking about that. It, there's someone else mentioned the idea that when Pochettino went to Tottenham, he turned them from being a team that you could kind of push a bit to being a team that would did the pushing. And I guess you know it's one of these subtle elements around football. Um, I think it matters though. Like yeah, I, sure. I think that it absolutely matters, and you need to have a little bit of that sensibility about you. And and Arteta at Arsenal played through an era where they did get kicked about a bit, you know. And that doesn't mean that he didn't learn not to do that. At City, right? Like if you, City seemed to hold their own despite having an awful lot of pretty good skill players. So they they figured out how to how to be able to handle that. Or you know, I guess teams get you know early cards. But Arsenal, they don't get cards, and and so like Leno looks like he's down for the season and might even be longer than that. Um, but <clears throat> so anyway, the the defensive side of this game looked pretty good right up until they gave up a set piece, uh, and and that set piece was something that came straight out of our course that we teach. Like it's a short corner routine that is almost exactly what we would, you know, advise, especially if they don't send a second man out to to cover the potential short corner. So you get a a two v one, and then you create chaos in the box, and that results in a goal. But whose fault is that? Is like an open question, right? And is it the fault of the midfield, which has been you know pilloried? Like I actually thought the midfield played fairly well, and I thought they did all right moving the ball too. Like the that midfield was Matteo Guendouzi at age twenty one. <clears throat> completing 93% of his passes, including a couple of really nice ones. Danny Ceballos, age 23, who's on loan, probably won't be back, but also pretty good. And Bukayo Saka, who's 18 years old, and again, completed like 93% of his passes. I would have gone with a different midfield, but I don't think that this midfield played badly. And in fact, I, I think that they, they moved the ball up fairly well. And people are like, oh, well, you know, how can they, how can you say they moved the ball when, uh, you know, Arsenal only had like, what, 1.2, 1.3 XG? And the point is, like, the forwards had a lot of touches, man. Like, you know, Aubameyang had 38 touches. Uh, Nicolas Pepe, despite not seeming to link up with anybody, had 41 touches. Like, is that a system problem? Probably. Uh, Lacazette had 30. That's not great. Uh, Ketia had seven. Nelson came on. So, like, this, it doesn't look like it's necessarily bad process. It just seems like it's pretty early in this. And obviously, Arsenal start out the new, the re- Juvenated season or whatever with two losses, uh, including to a Brighton team that you know they feel like they shouldn't lose to. But you know, at the end of the day, like I see things that are not that bad, and I see things that I would say you know the the defense is a mess. But there are other bits of this that look like they worked pretty well, and you came out on the other side of it. 
I think I said ages ago, like <laughs> many months ago now. Just don't worry about this season. Just get get through it and think about next season. Yeah, and play the kids. Yeah. And it very much kind of like feels feels that way. Although it's still it's still tough because you know you see Arsenal there in tenth or whatever it is in the league, having won very few games all season. And yeah, I mean it's 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 worse than it's kind of worse than Emery. It's kind of worse than Bad Wenger, and Bad Wenger was was below Good Wenger. So it's it's I think it's hard for people to kind of like encapsulate that whole idea and say like right yeah we have actually got to kind of like retool and start again and accept the fact that this season is a complete waste of time um in some degrees you say you know you can say the same thing about Tottenham and you know how they've how they've progressed through this season it's kind of nothing has really reset or reorganized they're still just kind of like getting through it one good thing about the the league coming back now is loads of injured players that were out before have come back. I know we've seen a few injuries on top, but um, yeah, Tottenham were like the absolute kind of <laughs> you know wheeling them off the ambulance to get them on the pitch before the break, and now they've got a kind of like full squad to to choose from. So we'll find out if once more. <laughs> well, one of the problems is the squad's a mess, right? Like there there are very few players that are that are peak age. Bellerin or Bellerin has been injured and doesn't look like he's fast anymore. Rob Holding has had long term injuries and has come back and now playing as a centre back. You've got Schrodinger's Mustafi at twenty eight. Like Louise is what thirty three. Lacazette is twenty nine. Pierre Aubameyang uh, is thirty one. Like all these guys are occupying a lot of wages. Uh, Mesut Ozil thirty one as well. So it's all you know, back it's, to front, isn't it? It's, it, it this is. is the thing. It's it's you know, and we, we've hit on this time and time again over the years about like you know how long it takes to retool a squad and rebuild a squad. And and the thing is, if you waste two, three, four transfer windows making the wrong decisions and not quite getting it right then it takes a hell of a long time more to get anywhere like it. i mean that's the thing you know your, your star men the p- p- people that you would consider key like someone like Aubameyang maybe <clears throat> and it's like well he's completely the wrong age i don't really want my star strikers to be over, like well over 30 and you know you know in a situation situation where his contract's coming to an end and you don't know how to re, you know reorganize that effectively because the last thing you want to do is overpay him for you know his dotage um yeah I mean, yeah, we've we've hit on Arsenal many times. What kind of what? Can no, I, I I think it's worth revisiting though because we are now where we would generally be talking about transfers. <laughs> That's really, true. <laughs> in this time of year, like this should be a transfer podcast. Yeah, there and there aren't. Now there's been Chelsea seems to be the one team that are like right, you know, kind of like let's get this together. We can we can go and buy the good players now because no one else is moving yet. Which I can I can get behind conceptually. That's that seems to work. Who uh, else got, did you watch this weekend? I've watched quite a few games. I'm trying to think. I did watch this. Yeah, I want to want to talk about Sheffield United because I did watch Newcastle Sheffield United, and they were, and I watched um I watched Villa, uh, Sheffield United as well. And the, the game actual the, goal that was not a goal. <laughs> the game of the ghost goal. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? If that had gone, if that had gone in and been well, it did go in. If that had been given, then you know maybe you wouldn't be kind of so. What's the opposite of a ghost goal, James? Uh, a real goal. I don't, know. I, I, I don't know either, but like this one happened and then was not called, so it can't be a ghost one, right? Like, <laughs> anyway, I guess if Sheffield United have got that result, you'd you'd be like, oh, okay, they're okay, but they've created nothing in attack for t- for two games. And if you look at their, I mean, if you look at their metrics, they're trending in all the wrong directions. And okay, we've got a big three month break in the middle of it, but I, <clears throat> you can't help but wonder. Very much this this kind of restart feels like a new season in some ways. 
And, um, you know, one of the things that Sheffield United never have, have had no problems with all season is the stability in their in their back line. Jack O'Connell has, you know, missed the last two games for Sheffield United, and he played every other game. And their, their back line has just been stable the whole way through the, the season. And it's just one of these little things that kind of... Their, their attack isn't really ticking at the moment. Their back line with, with one guy out there just felt like it was a little bit vulnerable. Obviously, they went down to 10 men and then just got kind of a bit ripped apart. But it's just it's just these little problems. They, they, they've slightly overachieved at both ends of the pitch, and that's why they've ended up so high at the table. So the logical like next step is that they do kind of like revert in some way to kind of lesser form and you know lesser results, and that's fine because it doesn't matter this season. But you know that kind of element of like next seasonness of, of going on right now, and what kicks onto onto you know the actual next season. Uh, these are things that they're going to have to kind of like uh, think how to solve, and yeah, be they haven't had to be adaptable about personnel at all, really, and that really helps. Liverpool is the same. I mean, we saw Joe Gomez come on and play left back. Uh, Robertson's been out. I believe he's going to be fit again uh, for the next game. But you know, just that obvious thing when when you see like um, you know Joe Gomez playing left back for Liverpool, and it's like right, okay, they haven't had to kind of like deal with. Um, you know, a specific kind of an outfield uh, injury in that way all season. And these things help. These are why your seasons go really well or badly, is is if you get that kind of stability of your team and key roles uh, don't miss games. So, yeah, it's just interesting going forward, I think, for just for Sheffield United, just to keep an eye on them, really. I wouldn't say, you know, things are... Things are you know in, in a really bad shape because they've got I think 44 points and they're well at the table. But yeah, it's it's how how do you adapt to that? How do you react to that? And how do you kind of um, you know think think to stabilise when suddenly the chips aren't quite landing on <laughs> you know in the right place? Yeah, they're right around sort of league average output in terms of expected goals, and mm. their their pacing obviously is fairly slow. They only take what 10 shots a game, and they give up. Just just over that. So, like, shots are inverted. And, you know, the, they also came into the league with some age, and they've done what their job was, right? Stay up. That's the, that's yeah, the entirety been, of that job. You know, up, up until this point has been a fantastic season. One of the great, you know, kind of first seasons for a promoted team. But, yeah, it's just we're that much further along now, and it just feels like, right, okay, can they kind of, you know, <laughs> gather their thoughts together and, and go again so to speak or will they end up kind of like slowly drifting down to kind of like 10th 11th 12th kind of in the in the league which is probably where their where their um you know performance levels have actually um kind of like graded out as um yeah it's just one to watch uh if, if two of the big six were not absolute mental cases this season obviously they would be a little further down the table but they are benefiting from the fortune of having spurs and arsenal be a bit of a mess this is true where do you want to go now ted what do you want should to we talk about? about the united versus spurs which happened on friday which seems like a long time ago but still you know it does it, it does i um, I'm not sure what to say about that game. It, it felt it felt very much like the Spurs that we've seen, uh, you know, despite the fact that there's been months to kind of like retool and re recalibrate what to do. It felt very much like uh, Spurs of three, four, five months ago. Even uh, Kane wasn't, you know, particularly effective. Um, Let's take this one down to brass tacks, James. I want you to give me an honest answer here, and I'm not going to put you on the spot with regard to Harry Kane. But seeing what you've seen with regard to Tottenham and knowing that that squad is not actually that bad, what's Mourinho going to get out of them? 
Like where where is he finishing next year? I know you're you're saying that Sheffield United will probably have some second season syndrome. Like that's I don't think that that's a difficult thing to foresee. Although you know they seem to be doing some decent job in retooling all their squad. What's going to happen yeah. with Spurs? And that and that could even land them in in mid in mid table as well. So it's not you know not not disastrous. I don't know. I, I where what part of Spurs at the moment points upwards and makes you say like right they're going to be a top four contender again I mean I was, I was thinking this watching uh, Spurs Man United and you know Man United a fairly solid team I think they've they've improved over time and Bruno Fernandes looks to be a very useful signing you know creative passer a bit of a wild shooter but there there were seasons in the past where Tottenham home to Man United you know peak Pochettino they beat them and they beat them handsomely and they'd look, and they'd not you know and, they, and they'd look good doing it. Yeah, they they just, just play circles around them and and physically as well. Yeah, and we haven't seen under Mourinho. I mean, <laughs> some Mourinho teams you get to see like you know electric attacking and uh, defensive. Uh, I think that's just Real Madrid. Not all of them, <laughs> and it's. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I can't envisage in my mind how this Tottenham team. Especially if they're not going to make many transfers, which you presume that they probably wouldn't. The you know players that they've brought in haven't like haven't settled really effectively. And you think you know what what players have you taken out of this uh, out of this side over time? And they're they're really good players. Moussa Dembele, like the the further we get from him, the more the more you miss him in a way. And it's like um, I don't know players like Kyle Walker at right back, or even like Pete Danny Rose. You know they 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 were elite players at the top of their game for a long time and you look at the squad now and you you see less and less of those kind of like players that you think like all oh, right yeah they're they're first on the team sheet or you know one of the first few on the team sheet and it feels like a bit of a mishmash of a squad that needs needs some kind of retooling but may not get to retool very quickly like Bergwijn's interesting I don't I'm not sure how good Steven Bergwijn is um he's had a good start he's he's scored a couple of key goals but you know is he is he another kind of Lucas Moura type player who's decent class, but maybe not top class? Um, or is he something different? And, yeah, well, I, I think I th- with him, he's got the opportunity to turn into something beyond that, right? You yeah. bought you bought mostly the polished article. He hasn't looked out of place, which I think is pretty promising. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's definitely you don't, you, you don't know what the heights are, but like it doesn't feel like they've made a mistake there. So I'm looking through the league table right now, and I'm trying to think back. Has, have any of the manager changes like actually mattered? <laughs> any match made any difference? What? So like Spurs, Spurs was a blank. We know why they did it, but then they grabbed Mourinho, and Mourinho hasn't really. You know, I mean, it does feel like his imprint. Like the team is <laughs> is a bit of a mess. <laughs> that if if you were to characterize Jose Mourinho as like anything in the last few years, like his teams are often a bit of a mess. Uh, who else? Everton. Eh, I mean, that was a bit of a nothing, but you know, Carlos there, and and maybe there's promise. We'll get to that that game in a little bit because like that actually was fairly promising late. Uh, Southampton had Hassan Huddle last year. They he they've stayed. There hasn't actually been that many changes, is there? Just looking up and down. I mean, West Ham brought Moyes in. Yeah, I mean, Watford <laughs> have the the sort of spinal tap drummer as a as a manager, and that's normal. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, some seasons you get like nearly near the whole league flips over. But yeah, almost no like, one has, which is surprising. I, I was trying to think, and I guess part of the reason why I can't figure out like whether they've mattered is because there haven't been a lot of them. Just like two of the big teams. Talking of manager changes. Yeah. <laughs> there was one today, which was a little surprising. Yeah, there was, that's, that's a different league. 
Uh, <laughs> it is it is fun. Hang on, I, before we finish up with Spurs, um, I, I I don't want to I don't want to stifle your Neil Warnock thing, but <laughs> you know you know one thing that Mourinho's teams and Spurs themselves have been very very bad at Go on. generating set piece expected goals and generating set piece goals, and they are among the two worst teams in the league once again at that this year. They have. They're hideous. Like, how can you be that bad with those players at that phase of the game if you pay any attention whatsoever? Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, I, you'd think that... I don't know. You know, 20 years into his coaching career, Mourinho would be on top of all that. But then, you think that with Pat too, right? This is also true. I can... No, but I, I mean, you, you get annoyed with me when I say this, but I can I can understand... Uh, I can understand Pep's Pep's slight reticence when you're so good in in just general open play and just destroy teams f- for fun. I can understand deprioritizing. I get that. I totally get that. The problem comes when you get into knockout competitions, which are tighter, and you're facing yeah, yeah. like harder competition. And the problem also comes when it looks like two years the set piece gap between themselves and the team that they did not or that won the title. In this case, it would be Liverpool. Uh, this year, also Liverpool last year, but uh, you know Conte's uh, Chelsea in Pep's first season as well. That was a big gap, like often between ten and and fourteen goals, I think, uh, between those two. And to be fair to City, like they actually did seem to be making some strides uh, in the summertime. They hired or or at least positioned themselves to hire a full time analyst slash coach to to do stuff. So you know maybe it just hasn't filtered its way through, or maybe they're not doing that stuff on the training ground. But yeah, I mean, Spurs just are a disaster when it comes to that. Okay, now you can talk about Neil Warnock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can bounce to the championship because there's plenty going on there as well. Now, they're oh my of, god, they're back back in play, and of course your beloved bees are in contention. Uh, they're not my beloved bees. You it? bees. That's just not. <laughs> I don't know yeah, who Brent- I particularly like in this league. I mean, there's there's a there's a variety of teams that I root for for uh, redacted reasons, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's yeah, Brentford's not not the team that I particularly like. Although I do quite like a few of their players at the moment, and they are you know, I mean they they look quite settled in the playoff spot. The promotion is uh, probably out of their range unless Leeds uh, do a Leeds, which um, God forbid. I mean, come don't on. you dare say that. They come were really on. good at the weekend, in the main. Yeah, they were. I watched. I watched most <laughs> of that match, and um, I think you know they they lacked a little bit of cutting edge. And then, um, what is it? It was Cardiff, wasn't it? Cardiff scored like two two goals, the only two shots on target, both from like kind of reasonable range. Although there was a little, there was space to shoot. It wasn't, you know, they weren't kind of like complete uh, random efforts. They were, you know, quite clear hits. And yeah, lost, and that was a bit unfortunate. And uh, yeah, Cardiff are on the edge of the uh, playoffs now as well. But yeah, I, I think Leeds running isn't too bad. So they yeah, should, they, they, should they should be, be okay. fine. Uh, it's it, it, it's like ninety seven points ahead with eight games to go. Is sure it's pretty huge as well. And you need and 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 also process looks good. It's not like they're falling apart. Like they dominated that game against Cardiff. It just didn't work out for them. But you know they probably have had more of those than you might expect this year. We've said this multiple times when we look at that team. <laughs> Leeds Fulham next as well, so you know that seven points could be four if that goes horribly wrong as well. But. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the squad's not great there, right? Like that that squad isn't super deep. You wouldn't say that it has a lot of elite talent on it. Like Bielsa has done a fantastic job, 
but they've they certainly built this on a budget too. Like they were not a, a big money team. It feels like they should be, right? Like, but they didn't have any parachute payments. They've been down there for how many years? Oh Is yeah, nineteen. Yeah, something like that. Absolutely, you know, we're looking at decades rather than years. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. If you know, if I I thoroughly endorse, like you know, if you're any team in the whole football league, like study study leads. What? How did he do this? What did he do? And try and try and think. You know how how can you incorporate aspects of what Bielsa did to take what was a long term kind of like mid table side and without that many personnel changes it's mainly the concepts of play I think and you know steer them upwards and make them contenders two seasons in a row. He has absolutely coached his ass off. It is it's a fantastic job and you it's a bit like Wilder right like you look at that squad Mm. and you're like man you. You really have put together something special, and it's definitely way more than the sum of its parts. Yeah, 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 and that's the that's yeah that's the thing. You know, there aren't there probably aren't that many managers that you could actually say um, are able to have that kind of that kind of impact, and you know, make make such a huge change for a kind of you know the culture and the reality of. Uh, well, and credit to Victor Orta for doing whatever it is he's done to to help enable this because it's not just you know one person. It's not like Bielsa has done all of it. Like they made some changes this summer too. Like Pontus Janssen, who's been excellent for Brentford, like was sort of given the boot and shifted along. Uh, I don't know if that was like raised money or not, but he certainly. Yeah, but that was that was a, that was a big call though, wasn't it? Because he was yeah. you know, a solid player for them last season. They could have easily, and obviously got Ben White, who's who's been excellent. But they they really could have you know held on held on to him or like looked looked not to move him on, and you know they, they just kept took it in their stride. No no problems whatsoever. Certainly helped Brentford upgrade too. Like they they you know John Egan had left before centre back was a bit unsettled. They had. They brought in Pinnock, your boy, Ethan Pinnock. Uh, I love Ethan Pinnock. I, think he's great. I, can't, I can't explain any more to that story, but uh, James does have a lot of love for Ethan Pinnock. Uh, so, yeah, your boy, Ethan Pinnock. The, the, and then... Ethan Pinnock just knows where danger is, right? This is the, You ain't going to find this in your stat sheet. He just knows where <laughs> danger is. It literally does. <laughs> and I, the, the long leg of Ethan Pinnock. <laughs> that it's like a Wild West. <laughs> is valuable to me. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, they, they helped Brentford... Um, yeah, get a little bit better. Brentford have 66 goals scored, so like the first most in the league, and then the the second fewest goals against in in 33 versus Leeds 32. They've been really good. And uh, this is Man City distribution, isn't it? Like you look at the goals and the goal difference, and it's like right, th- this team is should be top. <laughs> no, not not? <laughs> not quite there. Struggled a bit, but to be fair, Leeds Leeds have dominated in terms of expected goals, like right from the off. And, yeah, yeah, and hugely dominant. Uh, so yeah, if you if you had to, I, I tweeted out the, the the bar chart effectively of the expected goals this weekend or sorry this today earlier today, uh, without anybody's name on there, and it was just a look at how much parity there is in this league, which is insane. There are teams that are down in like twenty first who just changed their manager <laughs> that are basically like a zero expected goal difference, yeah. but they're a minus thirteen, and and in leagues that have a lot of parity. That happens. Like you have more luck and more randomness and more variance, and and then you have teams all the way up near the top. Like uh, you know, I don't think Forest are particularly good. <laughs> Bristol City are you know one of the the worst three three teams in the league in expected goal difference. Obviously, yeah, wild, well, I mean, it is wild because like in Lee Johnson's, they, they've they've kind of had pretty wild swings over the the seasons with his stuff, and they always have you know runs. 
And I think that that's also like another variance thing as well. Uh, they were so good last year. They got into the, the Carlin Cup, what, semis, I think. Uh, and then you know, kind of ran out of steam. And then this year, they've managed to seemingly overperform their underlying metrics, but they've been right in the, the playoff mess for a long time. And right now, uh, the sixth-place team, which is Preston, has 57 points and a plus-five goal differential. And the twelfth-place team is Darby, which has 54 points and a plus-one goal differential. So there are 12 teams within a win of getting into the playoff spots right now. That's insane. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool, isn't it? And Darby just found this kid, Sibley. Did you see? He scored a hat trick. <laughs> you, you always, you always get excited about roads guys when they they do well. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny. It's just like, where does he come from? Eighteen year old kid that's just kind of like landed there. I mean, what a what an absolute find. They have a long-term good academy, and they spend a lot of money on it, right? Like that's something that Darby has invested in for a long time. So the top of that league is is nuts, but the bottom of that league just this past weekend, also got nuts. It was not this clustered. But Wigan are in 17th right now with 44 points and have won four of their last six with two draws. So, like, that's pretty good, right? Like, you're clearly... like If you're looking for a run to climb out of the relegation places, that's a pretty good one. Um, Stoke, you know, finally out of there on 43. Uh, Charlton, 42, and looked terrible uh, for most of the season, but got a win this weekend. Huddersfield, again, creeping down towards the vortex, 42 points. Uh, Middlesbrough are right at the cusp, so 41 points, and they, they chucked out Jonathan Woodgate and brought in the man, the myth, the very grumpy legend. I mean, you can one. see, you can see why. I mean, well, I mean, supposedly they they said at the start of the season, you know, looking for the future and all this kind of young talent and all this kind of thing, and then Warnock's in within a year just to kind of like save them. But that see, that trapdoor underneath the championship, you know, look, you know, everyone looks at going getting out of the championship upwards, but no, at the same time, no one want to go downwards. You know, it's very different. You know, especially in this kind of uh, to these kind of circumstances with with regards to finance and stuff, I think I can understand like a kind of a bit of a knee jerk reaction trying to try and stay in the league, and obviously Hull are in a right pickle because they're losing players left, right, and centre, and it feels like I mean there's there's been a lot of controversy around Hull this this week. It feels like this isn't the time for that. <laughs> you're, yeah. you know, you're twenty second and like you know, Barnsley aren't a bad team. They're they're in behind. Um they they've Barnsley have won four of six and, and they, still they're down they've them. got but yeah, they've got a relatively new manager who's who's relatively won a decent amount of games since he's been there. So you can you could imagine Barnsley getting through to the end of the season, last eight games, picking up, you know, more points than they have proportionally up till now. So yeah, if you're Hull, um, and you know you've you've, you've got to develop a habit of losing games and loot, you sold your good players, and it's just well, they look they look totally around. safe. Tough. They look totally safe when they sold Bowen, right? And they cashed in on Bowen for like a good price, and they were they were like you know, dead solid mid table, I think. It's a good question. And yeah, there we are. What was it? So end of January. That's that. So basically, end of transfer window. They were they had thirty nine points, and they were in fourteenth. And they were 13 points clear of the drop. And how many points do they have right now? Uh, <laughs> just reset. Ah. 41. 41. So they've got two points since January and have nine, uh. games, like nine games. Yeah, that's awful. And that, I mean, that's. I mean, how much of that? Like, they they could have chosen to not sell Grzycki and on Bowen or one of them or something. Did they sit there and think, we're safe? We're, we're, we're you know, we're, we'll be fine. 
and then just think, yeah, we'll be fine. Because well, they could have held those players to the summer. And obviously, maybe they wouldn't have got as much money now because of the world, but no one knew that. Um, yeah, well, I think they, they made the right choice in the player sales stuff, but you don't expect to to have two points in your last, what, 14 matches or something like that. That's that's insane. they just got no... I mean, this is it. they just got no, no firepower because they sold it. Oh, my God, yeah, it is like 2-14, isn't it? It goes right the way back to, like, mid... Sorry, it's, it's 12 plus a, a, a loss and a friendly to Sheffield United. Yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, like, not great. And, and so like that's the championship right now. You've got 12 teams that are, that are within a shot of the playoffs or going up. And you have like seven teams at the bottom that are potentially getting flushed. And so it's, it's exhilarating and terrifying depending on where you're at or where your team is at in that mix. Yeah, definitely. No, it looks, it looks pretty good. What do you think about June football, Ted? Conceptually, you know, are you happy to have this football back? I think I'll, I'll pre-preface this. I think before it started, I was thinking like, I don't, I'm not interested. I don't want this football now. And now it's started. I quite like it. I quite like the fact that it's, it's nearly every day, or there's something to watch every day. That that replicates the kind of summer tournament vibe, which we're missing out on with no Euros. But um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's something new. Yeah, it's I, that's not unfair. It's it's a little surreal to have Premier League being played when it's getting dark at 10 p.m. Like that <laughs> that feels a little weird unless you're in Australia, I guess. And then it's also, I I, I had a bit of sadness last week that crept up on me because I realized that I should have been you know elsewhere in Europe uh, doing stuff for a national team on set pieces, and that I was really excited by that. Like I I always love Euros and World Cups always, and I've been lucky enough in my life since 2006 to be able to to sort of watch these things as they're happening as part of my job. So like that's you know fantastically is a gift and and I love looking forward to it every year and and most world cups when I was gambling like I was watching every game um or you know working in gambling uh partly to just you know make sure that we weren't making any mistakes or see see if there were problems so yeah it, it was a bit of sadness for that but you're right it's it, it does make up for it a bit um the drink breaks is weird the five subs so so that was a thing that came up last week and James and I talked about this I think in January about like things that people have suggested as, as potential game changers. There was that report, right, mm. that came out. And you and I were like, do not do more subs than this. Like absolutely under no circumstances do that because it will change how football is played. And we know this. So like, don't do that. Five subs right now is changing a little bit. There are reasons for it. You you want to you know protect from the soft tissue injuries and you know guys aren't f- up to full speed. And, and so there are reasons for it. But that is the one thing that I do not want to see you know, come into this long, long term. I don't care about drinks breaks. I don't care if you add commercials, like a minute commercial into the middle of it. It doesn't matter to me, but that's the one bit that does. <laughs> As an American, used to interruptions in my sporting events. <laughs> you know, it is how I'll it is. I'll stand up for our heritage. No more drinks breaks. <laughs> Run out there with no drinks. Now, yeah, five, five subs. It's funny. There's, there's two schools of thought, I think. Like, the, some of the managers are just saying, like, oh, it's fine. Well, I just want to manage my team as I normally manage it and maybe going with, like, two, three subs and just, you know, not using the five subs. Some some managers are happy to use it. It does feel like when you get to, like, 3-0 or something in a game that then you just... It, 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 it kind of emphasises the garbage time a little bit. when all Yeah, send in the so, second team. Yeah, and it's like, that's... I don't like that at all. And, um... I don't know. I think, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, don't, I don't like the five subs as a, as a concept. It's just, it doesn't really, it doesn't improve anything apart from, you know, obviously some, some 
the consideration and why it's brought in about like you know managing fitness and stuff but i mean peps pep solved it straight away isn't he he, he literally rotated his into near enough his entire team game to game and put out a really strong team that it helps when you <laughs> are a manchester city and yeah. b you know have a three no lead <laughs> at any point that let's, you let's seem bring to be de bruyne on he can have a go it's like oh my god <laughs> yeah. we don't need sterling this week yeah i mean you're lucky if you've got a squad that that wide and deep talking of squads wide and deep we would hinted on chelsea a minute earlier but yeah uh yeah it was funny watching them and like pulisic come on and contribute and Ross Barkley come, you know the most forgotten player that there is probably in the league right now like, that's Danny Drinkwater come on <laughs> but uh, Ross Barkley's career so like well wh- wh- where is he he's kind of like a, a squad guy at Chelsea plays sometimes you know kind of and then they've obviously signed Ziyech and um, and Werner for next season which just yeah. look like great signings uh, you know really promising um, players Ziyech maybe a year or two after someone should have paid good money for him but he's still young enough that you get a good good contribution out of him but what you know what is this team you got you know, Loftus Cheek came back and started haven't seen him for a year um, Hudson Adoy isn't you know hasn't played a lot of minutes and you know he's just looked very good when he's been on the pitch um, William, William and um, Pedro may go and that might kind of like solve some of this rotation but like if I'm Frank Lampard I'm looking at Chelsea's team and like what is my first team I think that's a difficult question and they've got Ooh, I, I heard some time. scuttlebutt by the way about pedro that i was really? fascinated by apparently there was like such a big disagreement between the ownership group and uh and the director of football the sporting director at roma over pedro that like he actually got suspended for it um i you know that was that was the behind the scenes scuttlebutt but uh thank you to our, our source on that one we always love the gossip especially when it's not for a team that we work so is he with. not going to Rome? <laughs> I don't know, but I would you sign Pedro? Would you be excited to sign Pedro? I don't know, but there's there's teams in the world that will obviously just look at his heritage and think that he can contribute. Um, <laughs> you you just described the bigger sucker, James. <laughs> like you know, do you want to be the bigger sucker? Do you want to encourage that type of stuff? Uh, I don't know. So, is he ready for MLS? He'd rip it up there, sure. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he probably is ready for MLS. Always, I'm not sure he'd rip it up anymore because he's not that fast. No, he always he's always felt like a he's a really top class support player as well. I don't know. I think he used to be rapid, but I don't think that he is as much. Okay, so I, I have a question. I mean, obviously, the big thing for Chelsea is they got to change Kepa, right? Like that's that's got to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so, <laughs> how many? What's the over under on minutes that Ross Barkley has played? This season, I, th- so I looked give you a number. Day. Do you want to no, guess? No, I looked at it the other day. He's, it's not a lot, is it? He's he's, had, <laughs> he's played like eight nineties or something. He's he's like at a, like seven hundred and fifty total minutes, maybe even less yeah, than that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a weird one. He's 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 just he's a bit of a kind of a bit kind of lost in some Also, degree. also down the the list of of Chelsea players, how old is Mishi right now? <laughs> he's yeah, he's <laughs> still on that squad. Like twenty six or something, probably. He is, in fact, twenty six. Yeah. Now, like, what do you what do you make of that? It's, you know, hasn't been able to kind of find his way out. Hasn't been able to find his place there. You know, what happens to that guy? Yeah, this He's is. They've got going so on loan these, somewhere. They've got so many of these kind of players. I think it was good. I quite enjoyed seeing Giroud roll back the years at the weekend, and it was funny that the goal he scored with a little kind of interplay on the edge of the box classic Giroud like from his Arsenal years and you, you think back to some of the, the great Arsenal goals with, that have um, involved some neat interplay and Giroud was on the pitch and part of a few of them 
And um, yeah, it's like why is he on? Why is he at Chelsea? Why did they? Why did they move him on? <laughs> he is he is a wonderful long term sort of backup. Yeah, and exactly. I think I think that that's true, and I I do not begrudge Arsenal players who go somewhere else later in their careers to try and win stuff. I don't begrudge Robin Van Persie for that. Like Van Persie had great contributions to Arsenal. I I still think that he's he was one of the best center forwards I've ever seen play in that kit. And it, it, when he was on, he had an amazing like three season run where he was unstoppable, and that left foot was was so so good. Um, yeah, so you know I I root for Giroud actually. You know, kind of kind of got a. Give him some applause. I don't know what'll happen with him. I think he probably sticks around. I think he definitely wants to be in London. So like that'll happen. Um, before we wrap up today, I wanted to circle back around to the best team in the league, who actually had an interesting game on Sunday night. Liverpool. Yeah. You thought that game was interesting. Well, it's interesting for them. <laughs> I think there there was a that's I think that was the most watched game in Premier League history because it was it was broadcast free in some way. But, right. Um, but yeah, but most of the takes I I did watch. I, I would say watch. I kind of half watched it. Um, most of the takes I saw around it didn't love the game. Let's put it that way. Well, that's fine. I, when was the last time that you loved an Everton versus Liverpool derby? Especially yeah. if it like, they're, they're always terrible for the most part. <laughs> yeah, that was the next thing that people said. So it was like, okay, then maybe that's just the way that goes. Yeah, and uh, I I do remember the the classic Pickford screw up that resulted in was it an Origi goal like that was a nice one, but you know the reason why I bring it up is because one it, it was not great but it was it was like fairly well contested right like you would not say that this one you know Liverpool were particularly dominant through most of it they did fine but they mm. weren't necessarily good and then there was a there was a f- basically five shots within uh, within mm. two and a half minutes there that they got pounded and uh, the race chart like just goes straight vertical there uh calvert lewin a davies chance that was good mason holgate yeah, a really big calvert lewin one and then uh richarlison to, to wrap it up at the end who you know presumably had points to prove about <laughs> he had five shots in this game so he wanted to to make his point to van dyke about not being the best center back in the world i guess <laughs> yeah there was one point where, where richarlison shot with Wobi was where Wobi was wide open kind of like on the penalty spot but if you if you if you give it to a Wobi, Wobi would have just passed it on anyway. <laughs> this is a long-term Arsenal complaint as well, James. Ever the creator, but yeah, no, it was it was it was interesting. It's almost a shame that Liverpool lost that lost the game. I mean, plenty of people will say that it's not a shame at all, but it means that they've got essentially nothing to play for because they they could you know play their reserves for the rest of the season and get enough points to win the title they will win the title at some point and yeah it's, it is kind of a shame that there isn't there isn't anything else in Liverpool's season because it means that they probably will play slightly tweaked 11s for the rest of the year you know we saw Minamino starting and um, I mean Milner had to play left back but um, they dropped Van Alden which is, they don't normally do as well you know played Cater um, but they're yeah, Liverpool for the rest of the season is going to be great for Liverpool fans. They're going to be very happy once they win the title. But from a kind of neutral spectator fan, it's going to be like, yeah, a couple of games, then they win the title. And that's it. So the yeah. rest of the league is where the intrigue lies. Do you think that that was a promising match for Everton, though? I, I'm, yeah, I, I, quite, there's, I like Everton. There's a few Everton players I like. and it, it does feel like they've still got 
a bunch of kind of expensive bench players at the wrong age to kind of ship out to get to get organised. But you know, people like Davis and Calvert Lewin, um, you know, are really quite promising. I can't remember the name. They played another young guy in, in midfield. You know, they always seem to find young guys to, to come through and at least get a couple of starts before. Literally, have <laughs> never heard of Anthony Gordon. I was <laughs> yeah. like, wait, is he an actor? It's, but, but the fact that we got to this point in the season, and after they, you know, repeatedly signed players to kind of like seemingly, um, you know, kind of edge out your Calvert Lewins and your Davises, to see Calvert Lewin and Davis started again, and you know they have started a little bit more. I think as the season's progressed, and the season Mason Holgate too. Yeah, exactly. A guy that's you know been there, been in and around for a while, but it's you know taken taking time to get a kind of first team slot. Um, yeah, if 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 if. You know, Ancelotti gets on top of this and just kind of runs a meritocracy rather than a kind of uh, agentocracy of, of players. Um, then I think there's there's potential somewhere in amongst in amongst Everton. So yeah, we'll see. Cool. All right, we'll see. Uh, anything coming up this weekend that would look good? Ooh. Any any sort of exciting? There's matches every day. I mean, it's just relentless. Oh yeah, that's right. Apart from uh, Fridays so, for some reason. So tonight is is Leicester versus Brighton and the exquisite Tottenham versus West Ham. I will say, I you know TV. Just a point that I noticed. I, I was going to tweet, but I didn't bother. But like the, I think tomorrow is the first uh, day that we've got games at the same time. So there's mm-hmm. I think there's four six o'clock games or something like that. And I've noticed, like all the schedule that's been set, there isn't a time, there isn't a time of day where a big six team is playing a match and a big, another big six team is playing a different match. They, they, they well done. Clash. So well done, the TV guys, for keeping everyone separate. <laughs> we know that the TV guys did this intentionally, right? Like they, <laughs> yeah. they, they were the ones that were pulling the strings here. How much of your budget are you potentially <laughs> losing? We might contribute extra if you give us the exact correct package. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so so the the scheduling has been uh, it's been well crafted by someone with a with a spreadsheet and a. The and Manchester a, goalkeeper derby happens on uh, on tomorrow night. Sheff- uh, Sheffield United at Manchester United. Oh yeah, he's he can't play. He's not playing, Henderson. Yeah, so I know. I, I made that joke knowing that he couldn't. Thanks, James. Thanks for just walking all over the joke. It's fine. Um, <laughs> The, the six o'clock games are actually pretty nice. Though, like, it would be great if if teams, you know, did that in the summertime. Kids, you know, in the UK get out of school later, so like you could just go straight from school and then pop up at the match after your dad gets home. And, and yeah, they should do that, right? Hey, well, anything that makes it feel like the Euros, this is good. Part, good for me. <laughs> all right, that's <laughs> all. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Uh, we are back. Uh, forgive us for the rust and. Uh, Enjoy the games because there's lots and lots and lots of them, uh, unless you're an Arsenal fan, in which case that's probably impossible.